0: Good morning. Welcome to Word of Life Chapel this morning. Thank you, Charlotte, for those beautiful numbers. Uh, A couple of announcements to share with you this morning as uh, we begin our worship service. First of all, the youth group will meet uh, right following the service today over at the Parsonage, not in the fellowship hall. We're going to meet at the Parsonage. Prayer meeting is tonight at 5.30. There's a Bolivia missions team meeting tonight at 5 o'clock. Melissa Morrison will be here next Sunday, July twenty second, during our worship service. She will be sharing her nine month internship with the Muslim women and children. Um, the white church will be out if you care to help her financially. Uh, but next week you will find out more about what happened over Melissa's nine month period there. The moving. Uh, movie night, I can only imagine. If you haven't seen it, it is definitely something that you want to watch. A great movie. Um, It's going to be shown over in the Fellowship Hall on July 29th at 6 p.m. There'll be popcorn, and if you want to bring a chair, uh, I definitely recommend doing that. Unless you want to sit on the floor, you can do that too. Uh, The Bolivia team is leaving on July 31st. Um, That's coming up very, very quickly. Quicker than uh, feels like the days are going by, but if you want to follow along, I know in the past we, we had an email list, right? And you could put your email on, you get something sent to you. Um, what happens sometimes when we do that is, uh, you know, you might have the nicest handwriting, but I can't read it all the time really well. And so I might put the wrong email address in. Um, and then you don't get the update. So we actually have a blog that we're going to be going to. If you go to the link inside of your bulletin, you will be able to sign up with your own email address And they will send you emails every time there is something posted. The plan is to post something every day, uh, if possible. Uh, Time doesn't always allow that, but that is the goal. Um, So if you go to that website, there's already two posts I did. One's called Test. um, And you can sign up there on the right-hand side with your email, and you will get email updates every time a blog comes out. Uh, plans are underway for the annual church picnic. Um, we need volunteers to help with different things. If you are interested, please see Kim Bucher. And now Steve Bordner is going to come up and, and share an announcement with us.
1: Good morning, everyone. I don't know if you realize it or not, but what a treasure we have in Charlie Bechtel. Uh, seriously. Seriously. You know, we're, there's a mention in the bulletin every morning about how we pray for our revival in our nation uh, every Sunday morning at 830. Well, he has gone to great pains to come up to uh, come up with a prayer guide, so to speak. And it lists uh, scriptures that are relevant to praying for revival in our nation. It lists a lot of uh, people and organizations who are working toward that end. He goes to uh, listing some of the things that are really important for us to pray about, to pray for, and goes on to list praises as well. So I encourage you to pick one of these up out on the table in the er, the entryway. He said he was going to put some out there. If there's none there and you need some, either contact him or me. But they're very good. It's a very good prayer guide that you could use every day of the week in praying for revival in our nation. Thank you.
0: Let's pray together to uh, open our service this morning. Gracious God, we are so thankful, Lord, that we can gather together in your name. Lord, we are here today for you and you alone. We ask, Lord, that you would move in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. And as the praise team gets set, would you stand with us as we prepare to worship We have a Savior, and His name is Jesus,
2: our Messiah. And He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become His righteousness. He humbled Himself and carried the cross. So amazing love, so amazing Jesus Messiah, name of our name blessing. Jesus, Messiah, the name of our our, Lord. Lord. our blessed Redeemer, the blessed Redeemer, Amen. Messiah. Lord of
0: all. We sang this song last week, and as we continue to go through different seasons in our lives, may our prayer always be: Blessed be the name of
2: the Lord. Would you sing that with me this morning? Blessed be your name in the land that is full, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be Every blessing. Every blessing. Blessed be your name, and blessed be the name of the Lord, and blessed be your glorious name, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
0: singing, would you take a moment to turn around and greet those around you in Jesus' name this morning.
3: well good morning good to see all of you um, i want to bring you up to date on a few of our folks uh, listed for you there in your uh, prayer sheet frank fox uh, bonnie's husband uh, had ankle surgery and it went well this past week so uh, continue to pray for him he has a 12-week recovery process in front of him so um, keep him in your prayers and re lebo had hip surgery uh, a little while ago but reads with us this morning i uh, had a little more pain this time around than the other one but still to have even church this morning is uh, really an answer to prayer so uh, so good to have reed here uh, this morning I, I do ask that you continue to pray for the folks that are on this list um, we're talking uh, and preaching about suffering and pain and troubles and hardships and all those things and we have a list of a lot of folks who are going through some very very difficult things right now and so please keep them before the Lord. One of the responsibilities of the church is to bear one another's burdens. And one of the ways we do that is to intercede on behalf of one another. That's a responsibility that is not just uh, a group of people, but it's the responsibility of the church of Jesus Christ. So do pray for uh, these on our sheet. So Father, as we pause for a few moments to come into your presence we are thankful thankful Lord that we can call upon your name it is a name that is blessed a name that is above every name It's a name in which at some point every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord Father I thank you that we as christians we have already trusted in that name that we already have put our faith in jesus for salvation and so lord as we come here today we come as your body we come as part of your family and it is good lord to be able to come apart from the world and be able to come together father there is unity among the body of christ Father, we find great love and fellowship here in this church, and for that we are grateful. Uh, Lord, we thank you too for a church family, Lord, that is concerned about one another. Father, a church that when they hear of those who are suffering and ill, Lord, our hearts are broken. Father, we send cards and we make visits and we phone make calls lord i thank you for a church that is concerned a church that cares so father to be a part of this body of christ we find a a great it's a great joy father to be able to join together this morning Father, we do thank you for Reed. We thank you for the surgery that was a success, and thank you that he's up now and uh, getting around. Father, we pray for Frank Fox. We certainly ask that this ankle surgery, although 12 weeks are predicted as a time of recovery, we pray that, Lord, you might shorten that and be glorified in, in, in this whole process. Father, the others on this list, and we can certainly not name each one but father we commit them to you father i pray as we open the book of job that father there might we might be able to find help uh, in our times of need from this man called job lord as he was able to deal with his own troubles his own pain and suffering lord we thank you that We can go to the scriptures and we can find help. Father, you are said in the word in your word that you are the God of all comfort. Father, what people cannot do for one another, what words cannot accomplish, Lord, you are able to do so much more in touching hearts of people. Father, sometimes you say to us that the thorn is not going to be taken away. But you did make a promise that your grace would be sufficient. And so, Lord, for those who are going through times in which it just doesn't seem as though things are going to get better, may you overwhelm them, Lord, with your grace. Father, we do thank you for the song we've just sung. Father, these were the words of Job. He was able to say, Lord, you give and sometimes you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Father, may we be able to say just that. Not reject trouble, not try to push it aside, but Father, to accept it as coming from your hand, knowing that Father, you are working, knowing that, Lord, you bring about spiritual gain in all of our pain and suffering. Lord, you're working to make us more like Jesus. And sometimes that takes some difficult times. And so, Lord, we ask that you'll help us to accept what comes from your hand as being good and perfect, something that comes. From above. Again, we thank you for the salvation that is ours through Jesus Christ. Lord, when we think of pain and suffering, we think of our Lord. We think of the nails through his hands and the spear through his side, the agony, the cries, the weeping, the shedding of blood. So Father, you know suffering, you know pain, you sent Jesus to sympathize with us, for he was tempted in all ways, such as we, yet without sin, so that now we would have a high priest, Lord, who knows what we're going through, who has experienced great anguish and great pain. So we thank you, Lord, that you care. You care about us and love us more than we will ever, ever know. So we pray now that your spirit might have free course and be glorified in all that we do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Leonard's going to come and lead us in hymn number two, hymn number two, Almighty Father Strong to Save.
4: church can be dismissed, and while Pastor was praying, <clears throat> I was just thinking of the prayer that was answered uh, this week, or the past couple days, our eyes were glued to the television set as a thing of almost impossible, was accomplished in Taiwan, where the little boys was rescued, and uh, it was actually prayer answered, and I just hope that the Lord gets the credit for it. Hymn number two, Almighty Father, Strong to Save (laughs) 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 Almighty Father. (laughs) Two. <laughs>
3: I suppose that virtually everyone in this room will at one time or another experience a bitter calamity. And you can mark it down ahead of time that it will be unexpected, undeserved, and unexplained. You'll cry out hundreds of times, why? Why me? And you'll say that many times before the storm passes over. Most of our grief, it doesn't come as a result of clear punishment for our sins. Most of it comes out of nowhere. And it baffles our sense of justice. We wonder why God is not fair. Why does God do and allow these things. That's why this book of Job is so relevant. Job's suffering seems to come out of nowhere, to have no connection at all with his character. His story is recorded for us so that we might find help as we live through our own troubles, as we live through our own calamities, as we live through our own pain and suffering. And not just keeping a stiff upper lip. But bowing. And trusting God. As a good and sovereign. All mighty creator. Job said as we sang. God gives and God he does take away. You see during chapter 1 Job passed a test he passed the first test god gave satan permission to take everything job loved and everything he held dearly god gave satan permission to take it all away along with his 10 children but job survived he survived the first round of tests The bible says he never sinned the bible said he did not blame god and the bible says that he remained a man of integrity and so are the testings over oh no this morning is round two here it comes again if you ever have your bibles i would invite you to turn to job chapter 2 job chapter 2 and let's begin to read the very first verse on another day the angels came to present themselves before the lord and satan also came with them to present himself before him and the lord said to satan where have you come from satan answered the lord from roaming throughout the earth going back and forth on it Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason." we find job in the second chapter a man who has still maintained his integrity satan received permission to touch and take all job had and satan was sure that if he could just take all that he had that job would curse god and die but instead job said god gives God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. And the Bible says at the end of chapter 1, Job fell prostrate before God and worshiped and praised Him. God again in chapter 2 speaks to Satan as Satan comes with the other angels before God and again challenges Satan to consider his servant Job. And again, God says, Job is upright. He is blameless. He fears me and he shuns evil. The emphasis on the character of Job, that this is the most righteous man on earth. We read in verse 3, there is no one on earth like him. So God says again to to Satan, have you considered him? And he adds this in addition to what he said back in chapter 1. And he still maintains his integrity. It's almost as though God is bragging a little bit on his servant Job. If you notice in verse 3, God proceeds to give two judgments. Two judgments. First of all, he condemns Satan for his allegations against Job. Job. He condemns Satan for his allegations against Job. Satan's experiment was in vain. It didn't turn out the way he expected. It was a waste of time. And so God says to Job at the end of verse 3, though you incited me against him to ruin him, it was all without reason. But not only does he condemn Satan, but he commends Job for his stand against Satan Job's righteousness it was not self-serving he did not love and fear God for what he might get out of it you see that was Satan's argument was it not the only reason Job loves you God is because of what you've done for him anyone who has been blessed as Job has been blessed would love you and serve you but Satan's argument was take all that away and things will change dramatically you'll find a man who will curse you but it didn't work and so God commends Job you see Satan threw everything at him except the kitchen sink but now comes the kitchen sink look at verse 4 skin for skin Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well. He is in your hands, but you must spare his life. We see now Satan's new attack. He's going to move from wealth to health. Basically, the argument is the same. Satan says men are self-centered creatures. And when you attack them directly, they will give up their faith. Man has a price. If you could just find that that price, man will deny faith in God. But satan comes before god with a new attack he says but god let's now we're going to change the rules god you didn't go far enough you allowed me to take away his wealth and take away his children but god you still have this hedge of protection around him now let me take his health now let me destroy his body Let me touch his body and let me destroy his health. Satan's assumption is that we all have a price. And if I could just take away his health, he will surely curse God and die. And so to prove again the authenticity of Job's reverence for God, God gives Satan permission. I don't know if you noticed the word hand, In verse 5 and 6, Satan said, but now stretch out your hand, verse 5, a reference to God. Satan says, you stretch out your hand against him. And then down in verse 6, the Lord says to Satan, very well, he is in your hands. So God is turning some giving power over to Satan. He is allowing Satan now to test his servant Job. But with, still with a hedge, still with protection, you cannot take his life. You can bring about ill health and sickness, but you cannot take his life. You must spare his life. So God still is limiting Satan, which brings us to another deep truth that we spoke of last week. God and Satan are not equals. We do not have in this world a good God and a bad God, and somehow they're equal. It's just not true. God is the creator. Satan is his creation. Satan is limited to what he can do god will limit satan satan must come before god and ask permission as he did last week as he did this morning now it's not that satan does not want to be like god we know back in the book of isaiah that satan he tried as a matter of fact let me read uh, what it says in the book of isaiah look at isaiah chapter 14 it says this You have said in your heart, this is God referring to Satan, Lucifer, you, Lucifer, this is what you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens, I will raise my throne above the stars of God, I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon, I will ascend high above the tops of the clouds, I will make myself like the most high. Oh, it's not that Satan didn't want to be like God. He wanted to be like God, but he could never be like God. He was God's creation. Satan is merely the creation of God with limited power. Satan does not have unlimited power. God is omnipotent. And God now allows Satan to go to Job once again and take away his health, not his life. God says, I'm giving you the authority to go down and take his health, but not his life. Let me read to you one of the commentators that I've been using, and um, I think uh, you'll appreciate uh, this man. His name is um, David McKenna, and um, I found this in my library. It wasn't up with my Job commentaries, but I'm glad I i found it listen to what it says god he so trusts his servant job that he knows his faith will hold and grow under the test of suffering god also knows job's limits and so he will not permit satan to tempt him beyond those limits we stand in the presence of monumental truth god's presence limits the power of Satan in our lives and in the world for his family his fame and his fortune Job acknowledges the protection and blessing of God with gratitude through his suffering he learns that God lets Satan go just so far and no farther since studying the book of Job I see life differently For all God's gifts of grace in my life, I am more grateful because I know they are evidences of His goodness, not my righteousness. For all the bad news which might lead us to think that God has given up on His world, I know better. Evil may appear to be having its day, but God sets the time and He draws the boundaries. For all who suffer, i know that god not satan sets limits for the power of evil death is the worst that satan can do and for those with faith to live as christ and to die is gain whether in riches or poverty sickness or health i lost my thought here whether riches or poverty sickness or health calm or stress Comfort or persecution, it is absolutely essential to remember that we live under the protection of God and are never abandoned by the presence of God himself. Don't you like it that Satan's power is limited? You know, to think that God only takes us to the point in which we can bear... God knows our limits. He knew Job's limits. And God doesn't take us beyond that. And so everything that comes into our lives, we know that we can bear it. That's the promise of God. God will not take us beyond that point. Sometimes up to that point, many of us have been there, He will stretch us to the limit, but never beyond the point at which we will bear and then I like this statement also evil may appear to be having its day (laughs) kind of relevant for today is it not evil may appear to be having its day but God sets the time and he draws the boundaries God is still in control and as we work our way through this book of Job we're going to discover and Job will discover as he has already here in these opening chapters, God is a sovereign God. And there is nothing that is out of the control of God himself. God is the supreme ruler of heaven and earth. Which brings us to verse 7. So Satan went out. He went out from the presence of the Lord, and he afflicted Job With painful sores from the sores, soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and he scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Here we have the description of Job's painful affliction. Now we don't know the precise name of this affliction Uh, some commentators have suggested anything from leprosy to elephantitis Um, we don't know exactly the name of what job is experiencing but we do know the symptoms they're listed for us throughout the book of job and this author uh, he actually lists them for us let me read to you uh, the physical symptoms of job Right here, it speaks of itching and open sores from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. In chapter 7, it speaks of insomnia. Also in chapter 7, the cracking and the blistering of his skin. Also in chapter 7, maggots, bread in his ulcers. The actual quote from uh, chapter 7 is, My body is clothed with worms. Total exhaustion, verse, or chapter 16. In chapter 19, putrid, putrid breath, rotting teeth, loss of weight. Chapter 30, the weakening of the bones. Also in chapter 30, diarrhea. It says he churned inside and it never stopped. High fever also in chapter 30. And so we might not have the name of what Job is going through, but these are the symptoms. Can you imagine someone going through such a thing? And so we read that he sat in ashes. He sat in the dirt, which again is a a sign of mourning and, and grieving and pain and suffering. And then we have the description of him trying to ease his own pain as he took broken pieces of pottery with sharp, jagged edges and started to scrape his body to ease the pain. Over in chapter 3, we're not going to read, but over there five times, Job says, why? Five times, Job says, why? why is this happening to me five times he cries out to God you know we often say don't ever say why to God and I say why not all throughout the Bible God's people have cried out why not wagging the finger and blaming God Job didn't do that but Job's looking for answers God, what are you trying to teach me? I think the question why to God is, God, what is your purpose in this? What can I learn through all of this? If we're seeking those kinds of answers, the question why, it's a good one. Job doesn't see why at this point. He's looking for God to come and say, Job, let me explain this to you problem is with job is that it's going to take this whole book of 40 plus chapters before god comes to him and explains why and then he really doesn't answer the question as much as reveals himself as the great and sovereign god in which job can trust But if you're asking the question why this morning, let me give you a couple general answers. These aren't specific to your situation. God may be trying to teach you something that he's not teaching someone else over here. But generally speaking, why suffering? Number one, to get our attention. And it does that. To get our attention. There are times when we are rebelling against God. There are times when we are going in this direction and God says, you can't go that way, you've got to go this way. There are times when God does take us to his woodshed. We all know the times when God will hit us up against the side of a head, our heads with a two by four to get our attention, to show us and to, 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 to let us know that what we're doing is not right in this life. So there are times when God brings into our lives pain and suffering to get our attention, to shake us up, to get us to where we need to be. Sometimes suffering will do that as nothing else will. And it's not because God loves to see us suffer or he loves to see us writhing in pain. The book of Hebrews says that it's a father who loves his children who brings discipline. Discipline is a loving thing. God disciplines us because he loves us so much that he wants to bring us to where we need to be. So one of the questions when you ask it, when you say why, maybe it's that God is trying to get your attention. The second reason, or the second answer to the question why is to show us what we're made of to show us what we're made of, but not just to show us, but to show others. I think it's, there, there's no greater testimony to the unbelieving world than when a Christian suffers and is able to say as Job, God gives, God takes away, but I'm going to trust and worship God. When the world sees that in God's children, There is no greater testimony on earth than to see us trusting God in a time of trouble. And then finally, the answer to why is to help us grow spiritually. I I spoke last week of the book of James, and James, I think, says it pretty clearly Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Not because you're going to find joy in the trial, but the trial produces perseverance, and perseverance produces growth and maturity and completeness. We grow through the storms. One of the reasons why we Are faced oftentimes with trouble and trials is because God is helping us to grow spiritually. Our faith is strengthened, our faith is taken to new levels during times of trouble. And every victory gives us confidence. Every victory gives us confidence in the Lord and it it deepens our, our, our faith and strengthens us to be able to take on the next one that is right around the corner. No pain, no gain. That is so true in the spiritual realm. It takes pain for spiritual gain. You know, sometimes God is portrayed as a Santa Claus figure we think sometimes that God wants us to be happy that that's his real concern for Christians we're we're to be happy we're to be wealthy healthy fat and sassy and that's God's objective that's God's aim he just he just wants us to God wants you to be holy not so much happy. He's more concerned with your holiness than he is with your happiness. And holiness often requires pain. God God wants to be glorified too in your life. He wants to make you and mold you like Jesus. We as Christians, we must be willing to entertain the thought that God at times will allow pain to come into our lives for our good. Then we come to verse 9, and we find again the response of Job. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, You're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Job's wife agrees with God that he still maintains his integrity. You know, the word integer in mathematics is a, um, it's a whole number. The number five, a fraction is like five and three quarters. We get our word integrity from integer. Job's mind and his heart, they're not divided. Job is fully and wholly committed to his God. He trusts God fully. And Satan, it seems at this point, is using Job's wife to tempt Job, as Eve was tempted or was used by Satan to tempt her husband Adam. Since nothing but death is left for Job, his wife says to him, Why don't you just provoke God and allow him to take your life? Now, before you condemn his wife, which is what we do at this point right and he did give her a gentle rebuke he did say you are a foolish woman but let me give you a different perspective on job's wife job's wife has my sympathy now you got to remember something right she lost everything too she lost her 10 children she doesn't have a roof over her head at this point it is just him and her they're the only ones left and now she's losing him because of this terrible disease job's wife has my sympathy in fact her urging for job to curse god and die may be proof of her love for her husband which satan turned into his own tool until now listen until we have stood at the bedside and prayed for God to take the life of a family member experiencing insufferable pain from a terminal illness, we should be slow to condemn Job's wife. In her love for her husband, Satan did find her vulnerable vulnerability. As any husband or wife, father or mother knows, It's easier to suffer ourselves than it is to stand by helplessly while those whom we love writhe in pain. Have you ever prayed for someone who's going through a terminal illness, suffering terribly, that God would take them to be with himself? Is that maybe not something that Job's wife is doing here? Job, it would be far better for you right now. I remember my mother, and she was dying of leukemia at the age of 56. And I remember we lived in Lancaster, and I would drive to Harrisburg Hospital, crying from Lancaster to the hospital, watching her wither away to nothing at all. And you say in your heart, and you don't want to even say it, God, it would be far better for you to just take her to be with yourself. Could that be what his wife is saying to him? Job, it's just you and I. You are deteriorating away. Job, it would be far better if you just cried out, provoke God, and he would take you to be with himself. But her faith is collapsing a bit. We don't want to, you know, just dismiss that. I mean, he did gently rebuke her as a foolish woman for saying what she said. But I can understand someone who's looking on at a husband who is going through what Job is going through to say, you know, it would be better right now, Job, if you were to be the Lord Job's faith never wavered you notice the words of Job he says at the end of verse 10 shall we accept good from God and not trouble should we accept good and be grateful and be thankful and be praising God and worshiping God but boy when trouble comes we're going to reject that no Job says you accept both Both as coming from the very hand of God. And so what Job does in these verses, number one, as we look at chapter one and two together, first of all, he acknowledges God's sovereignty. In all of this, he understands that it's God's hand. That God is supreme. And he sees God's hand in this affliction. It's God who sent trouble. He sent me good, now he sent me trouble. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. So first of all, he acknowledges the greatness of God. Secondly, trouble and suffering are not merely punishments for sin. For God's people, they serve as a trial, as a test that culminates in spiritual gain. And that's one of the lessons we're going to learn all the way through this book. That the testings of life turn out and culminate in spiritual gain. We don't like to be back here, but God has great plans and purposes in all our affliction. And so Job is saying that comfort and calamities both come from God. God may use Satan God may use people, but ultimately, God's in control. God is sovereign. God is our supreme ruler. So how do we conclude this morning? Let me mention three things. Number one, let's affirm the absolute sovereignty of God. Let's affirm that God is really in control. That nothing is out of his control. That he sets the boundaries. He brings into our lives those things that we need. We need to build our lives on the fact that God reigns. Secondly, let the tears flow freely. I'm not trying to minimize pain in this in in these sermons, Pain is not fun. Suffering is not easy. Job never said that. As a matter of fact, we read back in chapter 1, Job, he tore his robe and he shaved his head. Signs of grief. He was in deep, deep pain. In this chapter, we read that he sat in ashes. Another sign of deep grief. Job didn't minimize pain, but he maximized God. And then finally, trust in the goodness of God. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. Trust in a God who always does right. So Father, we come again before you with thankfulness because of who you are, because, Lord, things are not out of control. Father, you continue to rule and reign. You sit on the throne of grace. But help us to trust you. Help us to trust you in everything that comes our way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to page 312, 312, and let's sing uh, this close as, this song as we close. "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know thus saith the Lord." Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed.
5: is so sweet to trust Jesus just to take and not his word just to rest upon promise just to know the lord Jesus Jesus how i trust him him more and o'er. Jesus Jesus grant Oh, for grace to trust him more oh how sweet trust in Jesus just trust it, just in simple faith to plant neath the healing cleansing flood Jesus too. I trust him how I pray More and more, Jesus, Jesus, precious for grace to trust Him more. Yes, it's sweet to trust in Jesus from sin and self to see Jesus simply taking and joy. Jesus, Jesus, and or Jesus, 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 oh for grace. I'm so glad I learned to trust Thee. I'm so glad I learned to trust Thee, precious Jesus, to save your friend and i know art with me will be with jesus jesus how i trust him proved him o'er and o'er precious jesus oh for grace
3: Father, we echo that closing line. Oh, for grace that we might trust you more. Father, help us, as is your desire, to have a deep faith and trust in you. Lord, we thank you for all that life brings, for, Father, it all comes through your hand. Father, I pray for these who, Father, are going through very difficult times right now, that your grace might be sufficient, that, Father, you might work above and beyond what we could ask or think. You are a great God. We acknowledge your greatness and your sovereignty this morning as Job, and thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.